0: This is Carissa from Pennsylvania, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to I Doubt It with Dalimore. Now, you better believe it with Brittany is a whole nother story. Because Brittany's the best part.
1: All right, welcome to the show, episode 394 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and seated across from me, the lovely, the talented, the ever-scholarly, Brittany Page.
2: Still with a cold.
1: Still you, me, me as well. Mm-hmm. I apparently have contracted mm-hmm. the pestilence. From ye old Brittany Page.
2: Yeah. I feel like I sound like a smoker, but people tell me I don't sound different, so I don't know.
1: No, you, s- you definitely sound different.
2: Mm.
1: Not that I'm the only honest person in the crowd.
2: No, apparently you are, because I keep on saying, I feel like I sound like a smoker, and everyone's like, no, you sound great. You no. sound just the same, and I'm like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's not true.
1: <coughs> Excuse me. I, I wouldn't say you smel- sound. you smell like a smoker. You don't smell like a smoker. Brittany.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that you uh because I have your ears being funneled into or your 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 voice, see, not feeling well, feverish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, your voice is my glasses are fogging up. That's how um your voice is being funneled right into my ear through headphones so it's not like bastardized by the environment. Right. So I can really hear mm. Um, the twelve packs a day that you're, you're you're surreptitiously smoking.
2: Well, that means that all of the listeners will hear that too, and then they'll if, be able to be honest with me as well if
1: they're wearing headphones. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would love to hear what what they uh, what they have to say. Perfect. I also love to hear what they have to say about our new intro. Yeah, that was comprised.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I I wouldn't say it's inspired by our old intro, which was a recording of a song by a band called The Percolators, mm-hmm. uh, a band that several friends of mine were in. Um, it is now no longer a, a playing band, but Dan Bailey, he's the drummer for Father John Misty. Uh-huh. He, I don't know, I don't want to say he orchestrated it or remastered, I don't know what the word is, mm-hmm. but he sent us a file the other day with the this new version that is... Goddamn fantastic.
2: Yeah, beautiful. And I, he has some sort of office that he goes to and does work in. Yeah, now. he has a
1: studio that Snoop Dogg in Lake Forest.
2: Yeah, I thought it, like his, he has a business name. Yeah.
1: Right? Oh, I don't know the business name. Oh. Yeah, he's legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm shocked at just how, how multifaceted his talent is, that it's not just being a, you know, premium one of the best drummers out there right he he's doing everything else it's yeah unbelievable there's horns in there it's awesome
2: (laughs) yeah i imagine him like on stage playing an earth wind and fire song and doing every part of it (laughs) except i think he would have to like you know put in the philip bailey voice i don't know if he can sing dan can you sing <laughs> i don't know if He can <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: certainly not like philip bailey mm-hmm. that crazy yes you know like high-pitched trumpet voice yeah
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: so anyway thank you dan we appreciate it very much uh you are spectacular yes thank you and it, it is uh much appreciated mm-hmm. before this show is going to be a little different uh because uh we got some feedback on the Sam Harris thing. Uh, we got well, we just got voicemails in general. We'll want to talk about that. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that's not really necessarily Donald Trump related that we're going to get to. But as part of our as part of our uh, our normal talking about Trump thing, we won't do it in Democracy. We're going to do it right now. There, this weekend. I just it never ceases to amaze me what a moron. Donald Trump is. Yeah. I'm constantly in awe of his ridiculous lack of understanding. It's like he goes on autopilot and he thinks as long as he's saying words, he's in good shape. He's convincing people of his master intellect.
2: Yeah, well, this this thing happened with the Easter egg rule, and he got up there and made a statement. And I read part of it to you and Drew here at the office, and you guys both asked me if it was real. You said, is that a real quote from Donald Trump? (laughs) I think Drew said, who said that? (laughs)
1: Um, Even though you were doing it in your reading, just like Donald Trump, way
2: yeah, and it was—I mean, it's just the most ridiculous statement in the world.
1: Let's let's hear it.
4: Well, welcome to the 2018 White House Easter Egg Roll. So many people, you know, it was supposed to be pouring. The weather—it was supposed to be very rainy and nasty and cold and windy—and look what we have: perfect weather. Perfect weather. Beautiful weather. Thank you all for being here, folks. Thank you all. I want to really thank the First Lady, Melania, who has done an incredible job. She worked so hard on this event. And so I want to thank you. That's beautiful. Also, I want to thank the White House Historical Association and all of the people that worked so hard with Melania, with everybody to keep this incredible house or building, or whatever you want to call it, because there really is no name for it, it is special. And we keep it in tip-top shape. We call it sometimes tippy-top shape. And it's a great, great place. It's an honor to have everybody. On behalf of the Trump family, many of whom are with us right here in the audience, I just want to thank you. This is a special year. Uh, Our country is doing great. You look at the economy, you look at what's happening. Nothing's ever easy, but we have never had an economy like we have right now. And we're going to make it bigger and better and stronger. Our military is now at a level, will soon be at a level that it's never been before. It's uh, — you see what's happening, and you see what's happening with funding. The funding of our military was so important, and so many military people are with us today. So. Just think of $700 billion, because that's all going into our military this year. So I want to thank you all for being here. The band, unbelievable. I love you people. I hear them a lot. They're as talented as anybody and any players anywhere. So thank you very much. And now I'm going to come down, and we're going to watch this roll. Thank you all, and have a great time. Thank you. Happy Easter. Thank you very much.
2: Happy Easter, kids. All that talk that you care about.
1: <laughs> Happy Easter, kids. Our military is tip-top shape.
2: Tippy-top shape. Oh,
4: that's right. Tippy-top shape.
2: <laughs> it, it's so strange, because obviously he's he's talking about the White House, whatever you call it. This yeah. this house, or this building, or this this special place, whatever it's called.
4: Also, I want to thank the White House Historical Association and all of the people that work so hard with Melania, with everybody to keep this incredible house or building or whatever you want to call it because there really is no name for it. It is special. And we keep it in tip-top shape. We call it sometimes tippy-top shape. There, and it's a great, great place. There, there really is
1: no name for it, Brittany Page. Uh-huh. The White House. There, there's really no name for the White House.
2: Yeah. it's People it's,
1: for for... For for decades, Brittany Page, mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, have been searching for a name of the White House.
2: Yes. <laughs> Just stick with tippy top special place.
1: His intellect is uh, tippy top shape, very very high level. Mm-hmm. Tippy top shape, some might say, it's
2: profound. <laughs> I also, I loved Melania's face while this was happening because she was standing behind him to his side. and Yeah, not
1: alongside, behind him to the side.
2: Right, and she didn't even smile. I mean, there was no...
1: The only time she smiled is when he said, Melania, and everybody clapped, and then she smiled to the crowd.
2: Right, but when he said, tippy-top, there was no smile. Tippy-top shape. Yeah. It was just probably horror, standing there like, oh my God, why, why are you doing this? First Stormy Daniels, now Tippy Top. Why it, 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 are you doing this?
1: <laughs> tippy Top. It makes the list of a uh, 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 Greaves yeah. <laughs> that have been leveled upon her. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Embarrassment. Oh. It's just accumulating.
1: It's amazing that he's made her into a sympathetic character. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, somewhat.
1: She's not great. There are many problems with her. Yes. Defending his racism and sexual assault. She's not great. Mm -hmm. But even Donald Trump, with his his aura of shittiness, that those around him, in comparison, seem like decent human beings. Right. That's really the miracle here.
4: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tippy-top shape. Oh, Jesus. So
1: as, as uh, previously promised or discussed, uh, let's let's get to a few voicemails. I think we have a, an email or two too to get to. First, last episode we talked about, I believe it was asshole of today. Um, Heineken released an ad featuring a, a, a Heineken light being slid by three people of color with dark skin to a lighter lighter skinned person of color. And when the when the beer bottle finally got to that lighter person, it said, sometimes lighter is better, or lighter is always better, I think was the the drop.
2: Something like that.
1: Well, um, we talked about it. We said they were assholes today, and we gave a couple of reasons. What could have happened here? Either they were just clueless, and the ad slipped through the the dozens, if not uh, more eyes on this copy and on this ad this ad campaign. Or they did it to gin up um, deliberately to gin up some kind of a controversy. Well, we have a caller who has a third option. Hey, guys. This is Andy in Oklahoma. And I was just wanting to chime in on the Heineken advertisement uh, debacle. And I heard you guys point out two options. And that is either A, they... Just made a mistake, a wild mistake that somehow got past the entire you know, staff uh, or that they did it on purpose, which is B, they did it on purpose to get attention and just
5: sort of, you know, somehow benefit from that. But I think there may be a third
1: option, and that is that they're just racist pieces of shit that thought, ah oh, man, it felt good to say that. Oh, I got it out there. I know I had to take it down, but, man, it felt good to say that. You know, I mean, like Belgian white genocide so anyway, I love the show. Take care. Simple as that. Simple as that. There you go. I still I mean I I think he's being a little funny.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I I don't think that's what it is <laughs> that that a company that is as large and as widespread globally as Heineken is going to um jeopardize. Because of I don't know that just seems a little a little far fetched for me, but nonetheless the ad was shitty, mm-hmm.
2: so mm-hmm. we can agree on that.
1: We well, that's good. Yeah, A little fist bump over the table. All
2: right, here All we right. go. There we go.
1: So um, next up, the other little piece of story that we've been talking about over the course of multiple episodes is is uh, this American Idol Katy Perry kiss.
5: Mm.
1: It started with a caller Ben from Washington, from Seattle. And he asked uh, what we thought about it, and we, we checked it out. It was something we had we br- briefly talked about, but we actually went and watched it and um, responded. Now, it, it led to some emails. It led to some hurt feelings, maybe, some anger relative to how we handled it. And Ben, hopefully putting a bow on this, is calling back to talk about it.
6: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Ben from Seattle again. Um, I just calling uh, about the, the same thing, but... uh. Jesse said something on this most recent podcast that, and, uh, uh, Brittany, I think you agreed, but that, that this, we absolutely have, there are degrees of severity when it comes to, well, when it comes to everything, we rate everything. Um, but yes, there, I wanted to put in my two cents on this, that, yeah, there are absolutely degrees of, of this that we have to take into account when it comes to things like, uh, uh sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, these are, there's a reason why these are not all considered the same thing legally, even. Uh, and I do speak with some authority. I wrote in to you guys uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I wrote a, a long text message that Brittany read on the air, and you guys discussed uh, about my experience when I was a child. So, uh, and uh, thank you guys for reading that, by the way. Uh, but, as somebody who has survived something horrific and knows that there are people that have survived things that are even worse, we need to keep, we do need to absolutely keep our heads on this. And we need to realize that not all, not everything that is bad is equally bad. And just one thing might be just something stupid that was done for marketing purposes, and the other thing is legitimately sexual assault and can traumatize somebody and ruin their life. And we shouldn't confuse those things because it's not respectful to the people who are, vic- who are victims of major crimes. Anyway, um, I, I just wanted to call and offer my two cents. Thanks.
2: That is awesome. I I do want to say that, yes, I did agree. Um, I wanted to give Jesse the opportunity to preemptively respond to people that would be angry with him making that observation. Because like I said, Matt Damon um, previously tried to make that distinction and he was attacked by it. But I think that what happens here, and we saw even in the reaction in our audience, is that there are certain people who recognize that distinction and say, hey, there's a difference between what happened here and a rape or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's people who um, don't want to make those distinctions for whatever reason. And that's that's a discussion to be had, I guess. Um, but I think it is important to make those distinctions for the reasons that Ben laid out in his call, particularly that it, it's, it can be insulting to victims. Sure. Um, that have experienced traumas. And we, we saw that from reactions in our audience where uh, people were saying things like, if that's you know, a trauma, this kid getting, this man getting kissed by Katy Perry, um, Then, what what happened to me. Well, I, um, I remember... And that's, of course, taking into consideration. I always feel like, oh, I have to <laughs> dance around it. Taking into consideration the full story that we know now, not the edited part that was shown on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the
1: show. It reminds me of a time we were all sitting around with friends mm-hmm. one night and discussing... Um, painful, um, either periods of time in childhood or different things that people have gone through. Mm -hmm. Now, you, among many, maybe anybody I know, have gone through some horrible shit. Mm -hmm. And there was a person there who compared your situation with your parents and what you went through in childhood with their own life and said, Oh, yeah, one year, my dad gave me jumper cables for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, there everybody was kind of like, what, what the, fu- what the fuck? Yeah. You, if that was traumatic for, and I remember your response was, oh, you, you have a parent that cares enough about you and your safety <laughs> that they gave you something that would be of great use to you in emergency situation.
2: Right. Cause that's my perspective. Given my experience, right. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you got a Christmas present. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs>
1: So it's kind of like that. It's like, yeah. That probably was, you know, if you compare it to, you know, oh, we're going to Disneyland. Here are your tickets. Right. Like, oh, that's. Ah, right. Compared to jumper cables. Oh, my <laughs> God. What? <laughs>
2: you know what? Christmas someone, is ruined. Someone stole my jumper cables in high school and I am still angry about it <laughs> over a decade later.
1: I think actually your your the chief gift that would be best for you for Christmas would be more Marlboro red cigarettes. Because <laughs> oh, shit. that is uh, that is piped into the old ear holes. So
2: Oh, I didn't mean to cough laugh either. In,
1: <laughs> anyway, we're both a miserable right here. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, Ben, we appreciate the voicemail. It it is uh I wouldn't say controversial and we I think we've handled this well. We haven't we've gotten some pushback But not a lot. It's not like I feel we've got dragged or whatever. Who are we? Fucking Sam Harris Mm -hmm. saying something stupid and then getting getting a bunch of shit for it online and then subsequently whining about it for two weeks.
2: These are also the fun conversations. So when people do call in and disagree and force us to kind of grapple with what we said or clarify our points, that can be fun. Although I will say it's not fun when people hear what they want to (laughs) hear, which happens a lot. In fact, we'll get to that in a couple minutes.
1: Let's get to it right now. Oh, okay. In fact, okay. Uh, Sam Harris, we've been talking about Sam Harris. I, I guess just last episode, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or,
2: yeah, last episode.
1: Yeah, last episode. And look, I'm a, I'm a guy who um, I'm a little more fiery. I'm a little more impertinent. Mm-hmm. I I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. So when he's bothering me, Sam Harris, <laughs> I'm gonna say that he's fucking whining. Uh Uh-huh. Like he always does.
2: Yeah. Well, should we clarify real quick what happened again? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so uh, about a year ago, Sam Harris had Charles Murray on his podcast, the author of The Bell Curve, which has been highly controversial. I think it came out in the mid-90s. And it has remained highly controversial because in that book, he argues that um, there are group differences in intelligence between races, um, that whites, um, on average, have a higher IQ than blacks, on average. Um, I believe that's only in America. He's speaking about black and white Americans Um, and that there are um, that it's genetic so that there are heritable um, differences. And um, the reason Sam Harris had him on the podcast was because he was deplatformed at a college. Charles Murray was. And this did not sit well with Sam Harris. But Sam Harris didn't just have him on the podcast to like, you know, debate him or take him to task over his points or really challenge the science, take a skeptical view. He had him on the podcast and praised him, right? He began the podcast with a lot of praise for Charles Murray and said that he had wrongly participated in maligning him over the years or just not engaging with him at all. So whatever. So Ezra Klein, the editor at large at Vox, Published um a paper, um, an article recently, um after Sam Harris criticized him on Twitter and kind of brought the issue back to the forefront. So Ezra Klein and Sam Harris have been going at it, and Sam Harris published private emails between the two of them about right. this article.
1: Because you can't criticize Sam Harris in a public space without him he can't just absorb it like a normal person and be like, oh, They don't agree with me. He's got to get fucking whiny like a goddamn toddler and make it a giant public thing.
2: And so these emails were released and the public response to them generally was negative towards Sam Harris. And this, even amongst
1: his audience. Right,
2: even in his audience. And so he did a Facebook poll and a Twitter poll and asked people, should I do a podcast with Ezra Klein? Because in the emails he said, "I'm there's no way I'm doing a podcast with you. You're acting <laughs> in bad faith. And the majority of his audience said, yes, you should do a podcast with Ezra Klein. So he announced today that they're going to be doing a podcast together unedited and that it will be released on both of their platforms. Now, my position on this is that he shouldn't do the podcast with Ezra Klein, that he should actually do the podcast with scientists that worked on the articles with Ezra Klein that would challenge um, Charles Murray's perspective. I think that's what Sam Harris would do. From an
1: authoritative standpoint of of science.
2: Yes, and I think that. Not a journalist. Yes, and I think that that would be better for a skeptic. Yeah. For the skeptic community,
1: right? Also, if he wants to traffic in as a neuroscientist, which, you know, he likes to uh, present himself as a man of science with his neuroscience background.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that um, that's that's something that is kind of being lost in this conversation is that this is the skeptic community, right? And many of his followers, if you go look at the responses in his Twitter replies, they fancy themselves um expert geneticists, right? Um, they <laughs>
1: because they've listened to his podcast.
2: Yeah, they feel that listening to a single podcast where Sam Harris talked to Charles Murray, the author of a book from the mid nineties, um, <laughs> is the be all end all on this issue. When it settled
1: science, Brittany, that nothing science it once it's. Once the, the theory of relativity, there, we've learned nothing new. That science is done. There's no advancements. That's how science works.
2: Well, and it's it's strange <laughs> because if all these people that are so passionate about this issue, like taking the time out of their day to mix it up with other people on this issue, if they cared so much, there's other... Uh, people researching this out there. There's there's many more experts in this field that you could go follow on Twitter, that you could go order their book on Amazon. And I'll talk about some of them um, when we respond to one of the voicemails here. Um, but there's more that you can do. You don't need to stop here with one podcast. And listening to one podcast from uh, one person doesn't give you the credentials or experience to be mixing it up on this level that some of these people are it's or, just very background
1: or background and education to even speak authoritatively about science and the process that is science it's just kind of strange to me so let's let's start with our first first vo- voicemail on this issue from recent uh bonus guest
0: ian breaksman hey guys it's your boy Team in. Um I'm calling because I heard your podcast yesterday, where you discuss uh, my special, special. I, I would call him my inspiration, my intellectual hero, uh, Sam Harris, and his most recent freakout. Um, I think one of my favorite things about 2018 is having very normal people tweeting at me. Saying that I am, uh, the, I'm kind of not a, a liberal because I'm afraid to talk about race science. Um, apparently, you're only on the left if you have a profile of players at the ready. Um, no, in all seriousness, it was, uh, it was a very good take, and I, I think that's sort of emblematic of, you know, not just Harris, but what we're seeing also with Jordan Peterson and these other people. Like, so sort of the cult that has formed around these people, um, they're not, their they're fans aren't are that concerned with ideas, they're more concerned with just who they are. And, and you can kind of see that in their, in, in Harris Peterson's reaction to things too, like Harris had an absolute freak out, which he always does, because someone challenged him. And, you know, it wasn't even that strong a challenge, it was Ezra Klein, you know, living milk toast. Um but he can't handle any challenge and and when he receives one it it's automatically in bad faith. It's automatically mis misinterpreting his views. So it was a it was a very good segment. I, I very much support it and you know I will be tuning in to any more sort of uh <laughs> any more takedowns of some of my favorite people. All right, keep up the good work, cheers.
2: You should just be tuning in anyway. Like I'm kind of offended that there's some sort of qualifier added to it. I'll be turning in, tuning in when you guys do this very specific thing that I give a shit about, but nothing else outside of that. Okay.
1: Wow. Um, thanks a lot. What Ian. a dick.
2: So yeah, and I think that this is evident in um the counter to what we said about Sam Harris that we're gonna play after I read this email, in that it starts with I'm calling to defend Sam Harris right? It isn't this, I really want to grapple with the ideas, okay? After I listened to that podcast, I did a deep dive into the literature on intelligence and genetics, and I really learned about a lot of stuff, and I want to grapple with you on the ideas. It's, I need to take up for someone who is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, who's going to be perfectly fine?
1: Also, also, uh, listen, I believe that, well, it's not even that I believe, Moments like this are inexorably good for Sam Harris. He thrives on the controversy. He thrives on there being this back and forth on Twitter and then a tit for tat podcast to podcast. It's like in the in the in the late 80s and early 90s with the wacky board the zoo shack jocks. Ah, we're going to have a radio war, everybody, and it's going to be great for ratings. It's the <laughs> same goddamn thing for Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. It's just in this new format of podcasting and on Twitter. Mm hmm. It's, yeah. This is good for him. Mm-hmm. These attacks. He, he if if it wasn't good for him, he would shut the fuck up and not be so uh, promoting, releasing the emails and having his. This is good. This is all good publicity for him, which drives his star, which drives his uh, his bottom line. You don't think he's getting rich off this? Get the fuck out of here!
2: Yeah, and I think it, it's important to note that Sam Harris is fine. Like I said, so a lot of these people are taking so much time out of their day to defend someone who, you know, wouldn't give them the time of day, probably, if they were out in public. So it's it's kind of strange to me what what Ian was saying, that they have been held up on this pedestal um, where they can't be criticized. And that's kind of the opposite of what the belief in the skeptic community should be. Right? You should be able to make criticism and challenge people on things that they've said and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. And Sam Harris accuses Ezra Klein of calling him a racist in that article. And he says, if you don't see that you're not reading closely enough
1: right right you, okay well
2: that says enough right there okay right. so if you're not seeing it you're just not what like making assumptions based on things that <laughs> are really striking you in your core is or, that what you're
1: saying or is it that sam harris who doesn't believe in dog whistles only when they're dog whistles related to his being racist yeah so when racists use dog whistles, right, Sam Harris says, "Oh, I think it's very problematic and dangerous to talk about dog whistles because you can't what, mind that's read That's not what they really said. I'm not a mind reader, but when it has to do with Ezra Klein,
2: you can mind read that up.
1: he can, he's oh fuck he's <laughs> clairvoyant, like no other. Mm-hmm. It's just fuck get the fuck out of here
2: well and and it is strange again, because this is the skeptic community, right? And
1: this is their guy. This is their guy.
2: so do you want to read this
1: email? Um, let's do that right after this or how about let's do that right after these messages everybody (laughs) support for i doubt it with dollamore comes from generous engaged intelligent and good-looking listeners like you by way of patreon your support on patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward
0: one podcast at a time If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore.
2: We have two new Patreon supporters. Ruben. Ruben. And Chris.
1: Chris.
2: So I want to say, starting with Chris, this is the new round of stickers. So if you were a Patreon supporter before Chris, this includes you, Ruben. I sent your stickers. um, (laughs) Then you have stickers on the way. If you have not received them within, let's say, two weeks, uh, message me and we will try to figure out what went wrong. Um, Also, if you donate on PayPal and you want stickers, just go ahead with your donation in the little note. Include your address and we will send you stickers as well. Because there's some people that uh, choose to donate on PayPal and don't want to sign up for Patreon and that's totally fine. But um, then they will email us and say, hey, where's the stickers? So if you want the stickers like when you donate, just include your address and that will kind of cancel out a step there.
1: Yeah, because there's... I'm not organized for one, and Patreon is uh, maddening with the way that their back end of figuring out how shit works. So anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Um, you can also buy stuff on Amazon. Dollamore.com/slash Amazon. Buy some merch. Dollamore.info. And as always, rate and review the podcast on the Apple Podcasts. I don't like that on the iTunes.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> No profanity.
1: Thanks, everybody.
2: Okay, we have an email here from Tyrone. Hey, guys. I'm so glad you two finally went in on Sam Harris. To be honest, I was hoping you two would have done this a while ago. I'm a progressive, and I used to give people like Dave Rubin and Sam Harris a chance until it became apparent that they made excuses for certain white supremacy ideologies. Dave Rubin is an opportunist, and I believe he only left the progressive movement because he noticed it was a more lucrative to be an apologist for the alt-right and conservatives. I feel Sam is more dangerous because he labels himself an intellectual. Sam made it so that if you disagreed with his take on Islam, you could be easily written off as an SJW or someone who is afraid to be quote-unquote honest. Red flags were raised when he did a podcast with Glenn Lowry, a black Harvard professor. They spoke about issues in the black community, and I remember Sam saying something similar to, quote, black people should know how to act around police, and that, quote, police are always stressed out, so we should know not to make any questionable moves when dealing with them. He also said in many of the high-profile cases of police killing unarmed black men that the police were justified because they used the right amount of force that they were trained to use given the circumstances. The last straw I had with Sam Harris was when he did a podcast on Black Lives Matter. He said BLM was the worst thing that could happen for black people. That BLM makes black people more riled up and less inclined to think rationally. I haven't respected or trusted anything Sam has said since then, and when you do disagree with him, he claims you are taking him out of context. Sorry if this was a little long, but I was so happy to hear you guys address Harris and his alt-light followers. You two have the best podcast, hands down. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Tyrone.
1: Tyrone, thank you very much.
2: So I remember listening to the Black Lives Matter podcast as well because, again, I still listen to um, the podcast. Not every single one, but um, I I still listen to them just to kind of keep in the loop. And um, (laughs) I remember listening to that one, and there were many moments where I (laughs) was... Taken aback um, and shocked by some things that were said. And um, I I don't know about those things that he said, uh, quoting about uh, the police. I can't vouch for those things. Yeah, I don't know either. But I do know that when I listened to the Black Lives Matter podcast, I was a little shocked by some of his takes.
1: Yeah, I bristled for sure. Um, and I, I have a clip uh, from what I think is that podcast. I'm not mm-hmm. sure because I... I unsubscribe. Listen, I'm uh, my content consumption is limited just because when you create, I'm busy with shit. You know what I mean? So I I don't have. I I have all
2: the time. No, but I don't have a
1: commute. You you spend time in a car. You know, I don't. I don't do those things. Yeah. So um, I don't. I don't subscribe to him anymore. But also because it's. And here's what I think, and I'm (laughs) being attacked right now, and it's just scurrilous and it just it's like npr on fucking steroids man it's not entertaining to me um not a fan just not a fan so uh i think that is from that episode but i'm not sure but we have a clip that's coming up where he talks about black lives matter specifically and uh you could judge for yourself his views on the matter uh, thank you, Tyrone, for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's let's get on, still, on the Sam Harris topic.
7: Hey, Brittany. It's uh, Mark, the mailman from Elmhurst, giving you a call in regards to your latest episode where you discuss Sam Harris quite a bit at the top of the episode. Um, just wanted to kind of defend him, even though I, I know he'd do a better job himself, obviously. Um But if we could start with the Christian Piccolini podcast that he did, it seems to me the entire podcast was about white supremacy, uh, indoctrination into that belief, into that ideology, and why white supremacy is bad. And somehow Jesse in particular was still able to demonize Sam Harris for that podcast. Um, I guess the contention is that the questioners during the Q&A section um, had some questions that reflected poorly on Sam. And it seems to be your idea, Jesse, that because Sam is acquiring this this fan base that uh, you don't necessarily agree with, that the blame belongs on Sam. And I don't think that logic is sound. Um, if that were the case, you would have to blame Bernie Sanders for any violent Antifa protesters, you'd have to blame Bernie Sanders for that guy who shot up that baseball field full of Republican congressmen. Um, So I just don't think that's logically sound. But um, as far as the bell curve goes, and the podcast Sam did with Charles Murray, the bell curve, as far as I understand it, was a book that was the result of years and possibly decades of research. And the conclusions that they came to – word that, in in general, the mean IQ of black people is less than that of white people. Now, if you don't like that conclusion, then feel free to do the decades of research to disprove it. But just because you don't like the conclusion doesn't mean that the facts aren't true. Um, by the way, uh, an important point is, I think Jesse said something about, uh, well, you know, why would they even do this kind of research? Is it just to jerk each other off and say oh, look, uh, white people are the smartest group. No, it's not. The intention was not to do that, obviously. the uh, Sam even asks Charles Murray in the podcast, why I do this research? And I encourage everybody to go ahead, listen to that podcast, and, and get that answer for yourself. Um, lastly, as far as leaving the atheist community, uh, because Sam Harris has quote-unquote gone off the deep end, I think that's absolutely ludicrous. I think Sam has uh, brought a lot of people out of the darkness that is religion. And I think he uh, is being demonized for no real reason. So if you can find me one place where he said something that was wrong, factually, or, or even incorrect, just kind of as far as your opinion goes, I would love to hear it, Jesse. Just... Give me one example. I would absolutely love it. Um, this is all in the interest of moving the conversation forward. I'm sorry I wasn't able to keep it under three minutes. Have a great one. Bye bye.
1: So this call is broken up into three parts. Is it? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the, the fans of of Sam Harris that I maligned him because his fans are he's acquiring this fan this fan base that is alt light or um, MRA. Or red pillish, these type of people, these shitlords on YouTube, mm-hmm. these people who are uh, who do hold problematic views on race and uh, gender, gender studies, women's equality rights. Uh, these these are problematic people. I'm not saying that the one guy who asked the question that we happen to talk about all is Sam's responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it again. I said it last time, but apparently I I must not have spoken loudly enough into the microphone. A one-off is not the problem. It's when there are scores, when when a large percentage of your audience is starting to be comprised of these red pill MRA types, that's a problem. When a large cross-section of your audience is making excuses for Jared Taylor, that's something that should concern Sam Harris. If I've got a guy who listens to the show, even if my biggest fan... One single person is, is a, a virulent racist. Well, that's not on me. Well, but if if, if a large, if if ten thousand of our audience came out and I found out, oh shit, the, that's something must be going on with me.
2: Well, and I, so <laughs> there's, I have a list. So. <laughs> Um, so, so there were so many examples of Mark hearing what he wants to hear in this voicemail that it's kind of difficult to take it on. But starting where you started, I, I was very careful to say, in fact, I remember saying it, that, um, the people who jumped up to the mic to ask a question, I don't know that I would say those people are representative of Sam Harris's audience. I said that. You
1: did say that. So,
2: um... Again, (laughs) but I would say that the guy who really wanted to hammer down how Christian Piccolini felt about Jared Taylor and and wanted to properly label him and was very meticulous about wanting to make sure we get this right because he's in danger. If I was Sam Harris, I would have been like, why the hell are you like wasting our time with this question? Is this really relevant? You're like wanting to know how we should label Jared Taylor. This is a concern for you. This is really, this is paramount. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is something that we need to dedicate time to. And he didn't do that. Okay. So I don't know why someone would even allow someone to stand up there and, and entertain the idea and talk about what we should call Dar- Jared Taylor because he is scared to go out in public. Doesn't really matter. So something else. I know that I certainly didn't say that I left the atheist community because of Sam Harris. I am sure you didn't say that either. No, that's crazy. I um, didn't.
1: I didn't enter it because of Sam Harris. I don't deify Sam Harris. I don't even. I never thought he was. I I always thought Hitch was a guy that man. I, I look up to that guy because he is fucking smart. He writes well. He. I thought he was funny, but. But I didn't enter in, I didn't stop believing in God because of any of these people. Yeah. So I don't attribute my entrance or my exit to any of them.
2: Well, yeah. And so I, I just think it's interesting. I don't know why that would have been heard because that's not what was said. I... I've long talked about my issues with the atheist community. Um the first atheist event I went to, I didn't like. Um the second one that I went to, which was my last, I
1: didn't like. We talked about both <laughs> so of those on the last show, too. We
2: talked and they were years ago. They were years ago. So um also I'm the one who said the jerking off thing. So I know that Jesse's like the funny one, and so my jokes get attributed to him, but that was actually me. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't remember how you phrased the jerking off thing, Mark, but I was actually saying that people were jerking each other off about how anti-PC they are. And you see this all the time. You see it in the replies. You actually heard it in your tone of voice when you talked about the racial difference on IQ in your voicemail there. You heard it. You represented it right there. OK, that's the jerking each other off that I'm talking about. That little tone of voice that happens when people are like, did you hear what I said? I said something that you don't like. Are you going to challenge me or are you going to accept it? Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: That's wanna, what I'm talking about. If you want to
1: argue with the science, you go right ahead and do the decades of uh, inarguable work that no one can push back on. If you want to do that, you go you feel free, but this is the science.
2: And so here's here's what I'm here's what I'm interested in. And this is something that I talked about a lot last time that Mark didn't grapple with at all in his voicemail, which is why why is this important? What is the value of discussing the difference? What what's the value in it? What are the implications for it?
1: You would think there would be because they are very quick. Mark has done this on Facebook as well, making the point that there is a difference in IQ, a mean overall average difference in IQ, just to point it out. Right here, here, here's this, here's this, this uh, fact based on some research. I want you to acknowledge it. You must acknowledge it,
2: right? And so, and let's, you know, there's, there's, like I said, we could dedicate probably days, years, several to 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 talking about um, intelligence measures, and there are arguments that IQ has a cultural bias, that the measure for it isn't perfect. But you know what? Just for the sake of talking to Mark, let's grant that the measure that we have for IQ is a meaningful measure of intelligence. Let's grant. Him that there are individual differences. Let's grant him that there are heritable um, differences. Okay. What's the value in talking about it? What's the implication? What's the reason? Why is it important to continue the discussion? Are you going to be offering some sort of solution? Are you going to be talking about the historical implications, what what white people have done historically, um, what we need to do to fix the situation that people are in now living in poverty and oppression? Is that going to be part of the conversation? Because it's it never is.
1: No, it's always just point it out and walk away.
2: (laughs) And also these people that want to keep talking about it. Why do they stop with Charles Murray? Why do they stop with the bell
1: curve? Because that suits their narrative. They're- that meets the criteria for them to, to, to be fucking rabble-rousers and point it out. Here, I'm going to point this out. You have to agree with it because it's research and science.
2: Yeah, and... Go- I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. If you're super interested in intelligence, Mark, and the differences that exist on that measure, uh, go read Stuart Ritchie's book, Intelligence, All That Matters. Go file- Go follow Paige Harden on Twitter. Go listen to two episodes of Very Bad Wizards podcast where they do two hours on intelligence and get into this discussion. Um, there are other places that you can go to learn more. You don't just stop with Charles Murray. You don't just stop with a, a one- book
1: from nineteen ninety five.
2: Right. I mean, th- and also this issue is so complicated and so much goes into it that when I hear people having these very simplistic um, take take home messages, I'm just. What do you know? It's so complicated. Yeah, and I don't. I don't like anyone who just tries to boil it down to this like simple talking point. No. But I also want to go back to Sam Harris and what Mark said that um, somehow you took a podcast that was about white wh- why white supremacy was bad and turned it into uh, whatever I forgot Mark's phrasing. But the thing is, there were. There were many problematic aspects of that podcast from Sam Harris's angle. And particularly for me, his denial of the existence of dog whistles. And like I said on the last last podcast, um, Christian Piccolini is an expert. He is an expert in this field. Yes. And skeptics are and, supposed uh, to, on. skeptics are supposed to defer to experts.
1: And not just an expert because he used to be a neo-Nazi, a racist, a white supremacist. He's an expert because he's dedicated his life to the the um extracting of of people from the movement mm-hmm. he has spent time thinking many many hours and years thinking on this topic of how to get people out of the movement mm-hmm. so it's not just oh he knows how they think it's he also knows enough about how they think to get them out of the movement
2: right and 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 still the audience asked questions that were challenging him, which is fine. But there's also this disregarding of the existence of dog whistles, which is very strange. So the last thing I'll say on this issue is the reason that I don't like the anti-PC, I'm going to throw this in your face, just, I don't know why, Um There are reasons to be sensitive around this discussion. And it's not bad to be sensitive around this discussion. And it's because things like eugenics. Yes. And it's because things like white supremacists. And my parents loved the bell curve. Okay, Of
1: course they did.
2: All white supremacist communities love the bell curve. Whether or not they accurately understand what he was trying to say, they take it and they run with it. Okay, so when you trot out these simplistic talking points and tell people to just accept the science with removing all nuance from the conversation, those get delivered into the hands of people who use them in terrible ways.
1: It is a starting point for bad shit to happen. And that's why so many liberals have a problem talking about this, because if you look back with an honest eye unless you are woefully, intellectually dishonest about it. Slavery likely wouldn't have been a thing if the the people putting other human beings in bondage thought they were of equal intelligence. That wouldn't have happened. The Holocaust wouldn't have been a thing if Hitler thought they were equal. Mm-hmm if he didn't think they were subhuman as he did. It's hard to to oppress and subjugate a people that you believe are on equal footing to yourself. That's why people have a problem and are uh, are, 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 are skittish about even talking about this because it's a starting point for a lot of people who, if they were in power, would do terrible fucking things in the name of this um, non-level playing field
2: right and so that's why I emphasize for for everyone who wants to continue talking about this and Sam Harris keeps saying you know my continued involvement with this issue gives the false impression that I actually care about this get the
1: fuck out of and, here! and
2: it's it's kind of strange for him to say that because well he he does continue to talk about it and he did platform this very controversial figure and And his followers are now harassing people with these talking points constantly. And again, I I keep coming around to, so what's the point of that? So what's the point? What do you want us to get from it? Are
1: we going to pour money into educational uh, programs to level the playing field? Because if if, if IQ is uh, heritable, we do know that it is also changeable. That you can um, buttress... Social um, inequalities, social inefficiencies with education and programs through social safety nets and otherwise to help in a systemic way increase the the, the mean intelligence of a group.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's what education is.
2: Yeah, so I I would recommend actually reading the Ezra Klein piece in Vox, um, Sam Harris, Charles Murray, and the Allure of Race Science. Um, there were a lot of interesting, um, tidbits in here and, um, I think it's good to be aware of, uh, what's, what's kind of being said out there on the social medias sure. and, yeah. uh, <laughs> social medias. Um, and it, it, again, it just, it's such a strange conversation that we're, we're having to have because, I keep coming around to what's the point, and no one seems to be able to answer that for me, so they just keep trotting out the the simplistic talking points, and then i I still am not hearing the point of it so
1: well here's in this I want to finish on this, and then we're going to move on into something um we we keep calling him sam Harris followers, and it really it is I mean at the beginning um. Ian Brinksman, he, he mentioned the, the cult of Sam Harris. And it really is. It's a weird fucking thing. Even Mark is a, a devotee of Sam Harris. Because
5: mm-hmm.
1: he finishes the call saying, uh, show me one thing he said that was wrong. <laughs> one thing. Even if it's your opinion is different. Show me one. Th- Who is he? Fucking Jesus Christ? <laughs> is he some... Uh, unaired no, there's no possibility that he has a wrong thought or said something wrong,
2: yeah, I said that wrong is, things all the time that is
1: fucking absurd. I am wrong a lot if I'm wrong on this, I'll come around on it. Let me tell you, but to to hold Sam Harris up as some sort of flawless character is not only just fucking bananas, it is dangerous, yeah, because he's a fucking human man with Inherent biases. Oh, yeah. And he has bad days. Yep. He has bad moods. Exactly. He whines and complains like any other human no, man. No, he doesn't. So get the... And, and let me. We're going to move on to this. Here's the one thing that took me two seconds to find, and it happens to be the Black Lives Matter opinion. Because he's too quick on so many facets to, to label... The Black Lives Matter movement bad even in this 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 only f- a few minute clip, he admits to not knowing really anything about it but insists on demonizing it. Well, why don't you before you level your opinion about it learn about it? Don't start it with yeah, I don't know much about it, but God it's fucking very dangerous
3: it's absurd. I worry that Black Lives Matter, if it got all the attention that it wants, it could set race relations back in this country a generation. I mean, because, because you know, obviously I'm not aware of everything that is said under the, the banner of Black Lives Matter. And there could be some highly rational, really impeccable people advocating under, under the, you know, in the stream of this movement. But from what I've seen, it strikes me much of it. And I've, and I've seen it filtered to me through the left-wing media that is largely, if not entirely sympathetic to the movement. Most of what I have seen said in particular about these, you know, these videos and the cases about which of which we don't have videos, but which are, have been well described, like the, the Michael Brown shooting, yeah. most has struck me as dangerously and offensively irrational. And so, I mean, here, here's the core issue for me. These cases run the full gamut of police malfeasance and culpability on the one end to completely predictable and even rational uses of force on the other, and everything in between. So on the one end, you have cops who are quite obviously guilty of murder, you know, whether it's from racism or some other deranged motive. And I would put Walter Scott and Laquan McDonald, those shootings there. These cops, to my eye, clearly should never have been given a gun and a badge, and they belong in prison. And if if I'm not mistaken, the, the cops involved in those shootings are actually being prosecuted for murder. So the, the, the system is appears to be working in the right direction on those cases. But on the other end, you have legitimate uses of force that would have happened 99 times out of a hundred in the presence of any sane cop and race surely had nothing to do with it. And I, and I would put the Michael Brown case pretty close to that far tail of uh, on the continuum and. You know, we don't have a video of that, but the facts, as reported, suggest that he attacked a police officer and was trying to get his gun. Now, if you're trying to get a cop's gun, it is only rational for him to believe that you intend to kill him with it. And whatever the color of your skin, you're going to get shot. And if, if you don't get shot, it's because you got very lucky, either because the cop had amazing hand-to-hand skills and he d- just decided to spare your life or because there were enough cops on hand to physically overpower you without requiring lethal force. In the rest of these cases, you have almost every variety of incompetence and bad luck and poor training and just basic human chaos. And I would put, you know, all these recent ones, like, you know, the, the Philandro Castile and, and and Alton Sterling. And frankly, I'd even put the Eric Garner case somewhere in the middle here. And these cases, the three I just mentioned, are totally they're totally unlike the extremes, but they're importantly different from one another too. Because I mean, one important thing to point out is that in some of these videos, the video record itself can be profoundly misleading because some start after the shooting occurred. You know, you, you don't simply you simply don't know what precipitated it, and some that show the shooting don't show you what the cops themselves saw, and so you can't you can't really judge whether it was rational for them to feel that their lives were in danger. So. The range of these cases ethically and as a matter of police procedure is almost as wide as can be imagined. And then you throw Trayvon Martin in there yeah. where the guy who shot him wasn't even a cop and, and it wasn't even arguably wasn't even white. Right. And yet all these cases are spoken about in the same breath as intolerable examples of murderous racism on, on the part of the police. So my problem, and again, it, I, this doesn't subsume everything Black Lives Matter is doing, but my problem with, I mean, this is the kind of the, the moral core of the movement, as far as I can tell.
1: So he doesn't know anything about it. There could be rational people, these are quotes, really demonstrating, by his own words, he doesn't have, he's not a, an authority on the matter, but says this is, with authority, he says, this is the moral core of the organization mm-hmm. of Black Lives Matter says that because there's prosecutions in the cases of Walter Scott and Laquan McDonald, that that means the system is working. Well, I would say, Sam Harris, that for the system to work, murderers don't get hired to be police officers in the fucking first place. That's the system working.
2: Well, you also don't choose two examples out of countless examples
1: hundreds of examples and
2: also i mean at one point in that discussion he was saying now there isn't video but this is how the the situation was described uh, right okay are we are we really going to give the police the benefit of the doubt in this situation have we have we learned our lesson in that in that case Dep- giving the police the benefit of the doubt everyone should go read that new york times article that talked about how often police lie on the stand when they're testifying they even have a term for it. I forgot yeah. what it is now, like test a lying or something.
1: Listen, depending on the study and the research and the data that you choose to to align yourself with, a, an unarmed black man in America is either seven or nine times more likely to be fucking gunned down by a cop than a white man, an unarmed white man, Seven to nine times. So excuse me, Sam Harris, if I don't join you in maligning a civil rights organization, which has its problems, of course it does. And I would attribute that to not being a centralized organization, but having chapters everywhere. But excuse me if I don't join you in maligning them and shitting on their motives and, and calling into question their their, their moral core. Of their organization, black people in this country have been have, have had their necks fucking stepped on for hundreds of years. At every turn, when when uh, when voting rights are enacted, then you have your local municipalities putting uh, poll taxes and literacy tests. Every time some progress is made, the system, which is run by white people, finds a way to subjugate and oppress just a little bit within the frame of the law. So I'll give them all kinds of leeway to make mistakes relative to their ideology because they're fighting for their rights, they're fighting for equality, They're fighting for equity, and they're fighting for their goddamn lives.
2: So, I want to reference this New York Times article really quick, The Test Lying. And again, if you haven't read it, you should. Um, but from the article, quote, an investigation by the New York Times has found that on more than 25 occasions since January 2015, judges or prosecutors determined that a key aspect of a New York City police officer's testimony was probably untrue. The Times identified these cases, many of which are sealed through uh, interviews with lawyers, police officers, and current and former judges. In these cases, officers have lied about the whereabouts of guns, put putting them in suspects hands or waistbands when they were actually hidden out of sight. They have barged into apartments and conducted searches only to testify otherwise later under oath that they have given firsthand accounts of crimes or arrests that they did not in fact witness. They have falsely claimed to have watched drug deals happen only to later recant or to be shown to have lied. Okay. Um, this is
1: one municipality, they they go, New York city.
2: They go on and the, it's so common. They have a term for it. Test Yeah. And so for people to still be giving the police the benefit of the doubt in these conversations is so strange because we now have all of these videos coming out on a regular basis of cops choking people that are jaywalking yeah, um, immediately, immediately taking their gun out and putting it to someone's head without any knowledge of a situation saying they're going to blow their head off. We've seen enough. Yeah, To start to understand how to look at these situations and who has the power.
1: Well, listen, if the system worked, those cops who lie under oath subverting the justice system would be fucking fired. They would be penalized legally. They would be prosecuted for perjury. If you are an instrument of justice and you subvert that purpose... While wearing your badge in court as an officer of the law, of justice, as an instrument of of said justice, you need you you have abdicated your duty, and you need out. And like you said, Brittany, there there are countless instances where we have body cam footage when the audio is not. Coincidentally turned off Mm -hmm. after uh, an unarmed black man is gunned fucking down in his backyard, shot multiple times, over half a dozen times in the back. Armed suspects don't get shot in the back. Certainly not one armed with a fucking iPhone you just brought up Alton Sterling the 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 circumstances surrounding Alton Sterling Right, because the quotes his video that were said.
2: his video was finally released
1: listen to this 1 minute and 28 second segment of audio
2: before you play it i want to say this video was previously unreleased correct
1: for 2 years yes right so
2: for 2 years people have had an understanding of this case and they could go on their podcast And talk about what the police said happened. And for two years, they could talk about what the police said happened. And now we see what happened. And it's not good. And it is not okay.
1: This is alarming audio. That within... I start this audio the moment they get out of the car. You hear the car door. And in a minute and 28 seconds, this transpires.
4: Back
8: off. So,
4: damn, what you talking about? Don't man? move bro, stop. What I did? I'm saying
0: what I did, son. Don't fucking move. I'm gonna you shoot hands, your bro. fucking ass, bitch. Bro, put your fucking hands on the car.
4: Put your hands on the car. I'm gonna shoot you in your fucking head. You understand me? On, Don't you fucking move. I'm gonna shoot you in your fucking head. You hear me? What Don't you, do? you fucking move. All right, hold
5: up. Hold up, man. You hurt
4: my arm. Stop. I'm
8: saying,
3: what happened,
4: man? Hold
5: on, man. Taze his ass. You on the ground? Get on the ground. Pop him again,
4: Howie. Hey, bro, you on the fucking you. ground? Hey. Hey. What the fuck? I got him. Hey, what this the fuck? Hold on. What Let the fuck?
1: Alton Sterling, murdered by police, shot three times in the chest, subsequently rolled over dead, And shot three times in the back. But oh, by all means, let's listen to police about their account of the thing. When they roll up, within seconds, saying, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head. With the
2: gun out. The gun is out and at his head. head.
1: Yes.
4: Mm -hmm. Don't fucking move. I'm going to shoot your fucking ass, bitch. Put your fucking hands on the car. car. Put your hands on the car. car. I'm going to shoot you in your fucking head. You understand me? Don't you fucking move. I'm going to shoot you in your fucking head. You hear me? Don't you fucking move.
1: Cool-headed. Administrator. Administer of justice.
2: You know, I always see people commenting still, saying things like, well, they just need to follow directions. You know, just listening to that, my heart rate increases. Yeah. And I start getting red in my face because I'm angry. That's me just listening to it happen to someone else. Imagine if I was standing near it happening. Imagine if it was me that someone was yelling this with a gun to my head. That is escalating the situation to an unnecessary degree.
1: And that is the cop escalating, the, choosing to escalate what is a non-situation into a life-threatening situation. I'm going to fucking shoot you in the head. With a gun to your head. And then, huh? oddly enough, someone ends up dead and it's not the cop. Someone does end up g- being killed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's certainly not the cop who was screaming, I'm going to shoot you in your fucking head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Come on with questioning the motives of Black Lives Matter when we have account after account after a count
2: right it's also strange for when in that podcast he was trying to say and they lump all these situations together well there is a common theme and the common theme is police brutality and police unnecessarily escalating a conflict to a degree that then makes this kind of stuff happen um it it, it the common theme is police behavior. So, oh, it was a different crime that was being committed. Oh, one was in a car. One was out on the street. One was selling CDs. Right, one right. was uh, speeding, whatever. It doesn't matter. The little tiny little details that differ. It doesn't matter. There's a common theme. And that's what Black Lives Matter is referring to. They're referring to the continued police brutality and lack of accountability.
1: Well, and then he points out two cases where there's prosecutions. Walter Scott, I don't know how long ago that podcast was, but the Walter Scott case, Michael Slager, ended up being acquitted Mm -hmm. or it was a mistrial. And the federal government, the Justice Department, had to come in and get him to plead guilty under the weight of the federal government's unlimited resources of civil rights crimes in the killing of Walter Scott, where he shot him in the back and planted a taser at his feet. And the only reason we know about it is because of a a self, a a bystander's video. Right. Because if there wasn't a video, Michael Slager would be off the hook and we would think Walter Scott took his taser and tried to kill him.
2: And we would be talking about that. And that's it. The police account.
1: So save me your sanctimonious (laughs) bullshit about Black Lives Matter being evil, at its core, problematic and dangerous for the black community. Giving the black community power into their own hands to change their situation through protest and redress of their government. There's nothing wrong about that. There's nothing uh, black in the soul of Black Lives Matter.
2: And also highlighting these issues, bringing them to the forefront, making people care about them, placing emphasis on the requirements for body cams. Yeah. All of this moves us forward and also converts people that were previously on the side of the police like me.
1: Because all you need to see is the evidence with new information. You should change your mind. I would love to know if the, The deified Sam Harris would be willing to change his mind in the face of so many unjustified homicides of unarmed black men at the hands of police. Or is his cushy, rich guy, white existence keep him in a bubble outside of what is an unimaginable existence in this country? Where you get to see people living freely with no fear. I could say whatever I want to to a cop. I don't fear being murdered. I can be as disrespectful as I want during a traffic stop. And I don't worry about being gunned down.
2: I would say that within the skeptic community, there should be more of um, podcasts featuring people that disagree rather than people that... um,
1: Want to have a circle jerk yeah, just, about how just, oh, we're so great and so un-PC.
2: Because there there should be a lot more discomfort so that there is familiarity with discomfort and yeah. familiarity with challenge so that it isn't so alarming every time it happens and it doesn't feel like your personal reputation is being destroyed. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Um, what do you say we wrap? Yeah. It has been, uh, I think, uh, a different, completely different episode than we normally do. But uh, I think this was productive. We'd love to know what you guys think. We really would love to know what you guys think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at Um, I'm certain that this conversation is going to continue. We would love to know what you think. Let's wrap. With that, it's the asshole of today.
2: Ted Nugent.
1: Ted Nugent. Hmm. Ted Nugent was recently on a radio show with a guy named Joe Pags. Kind of what? He, Not a
2: great name for radio,
1: Joe Pags.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where he said some very Ted Nugenty things mm-hmm. <laughs> about the survivors, the activist survivors of the Stoneman Douglas high school massacre. Right. This Joe Paggs guy is a radio show in Ta- San Antonio and he, he may be syndicated, I don't know. But I, I spent a lot of time trying to find the portion where Ted Nugent was talking to him and almost the entire Friday show on, on uh, March 30th, Was dedicated to Joe Pags talking about mixing it up with these kids on Twitter, like the whole thing Mm -hmm. is how he's attacking these children and how they are uh, not answering. No, he won't even answer me on Twitter. It's unbelievable. This conservative movement that is dedicated to trying to discredit children who survived the massacre of 17 people within the walls of their school there's no shame for them in this this is fucking weird anyway here's the uh, the segment of the the interview that it's getting a little bit of press but that i want to talk about ted i appreciate you coming on how are you I-
8: actually sharing my lust for the American dream, my, my dream of excellence and we the people individual freedoms and rugged individuality and rugged individualism. I'm, I'm literally stoned on freedom. I'm high on liberty, and I'm willing to share it with you, Joe. Well, well,
1: and I always appreciate that. I feel honored every time that, that you take a couple of minutes. Ted, uh, i got to jump in with both feet. Not on music, although we love everything you do. Not on your books, although we love that you're a New York Times best-selling author and you're also an incredible columnist. Not on social media where you've got millions and millions of followers. Let's talk about... About you, the NRA board of directors member, um, and and let's figure out why exactly we're seeing the media um, popularize the idea that you guys in the NRA and me, I'm an NRA member, that we want to kill children. That's where we are today. You and I, according to them, want to kill children, and if we respond, we're now attacking children, and we should have our uh, our, our our TV shows and radio shows and music uh, um, lives taken from us. Fill me in on how we got here.
8: Oh, I couldn't be more proud to be a member of the National Rifle Association, along with millions and millions of good American law-abiding families. Remember, the National Rifle Association is the essence of we the people and experimenting in self individual government the national rifle association is families good families it's the most important grassroots family organization in the world joe because in spite of the history of tyranny and dictatorship that our founding fathers fought and outlined in the constitution and bill of rights how to never let it happen again the national rifle association are families who believe that our gift of life is not only worth protecting but we have a self-evident truth based right and duty to have self-defense and that the king doesn't have the exclusive right to keep and bear arms it is so simple that anyone that contests it is the manifestation of the dumbing down of america and we would love to help the children reduce and even eliminate violence and danger and insecurity in their lives, in their school and on our streets. But if your entire anti-gun agenda is based on 100% lies and falsehoods, remember, Joe, if you really examine every word out of the leftist media's mouth about gun control, if you listen to every word these children say, everything they say about guns is a lie. They
1: He's calling those kids who survived the massacre liars. He also goes on to call them soulless. This is a man who talks about freedom and liberty, and, and he uses the, the troops, just like Tommy Lahren and these other assholes do, as some kind of a, a poker chip. Oh, I'm so high on freedom and liberty, I want to share a rugged individualism when 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 given the chance to serve his country he avoided the draft just like his hero donald trump he did an interview with high times magazine where he recounted what he did to avoid the draft yeah
2: in 1977 yeah and he basically, because this is long and I don't want to read the whole thing, he stopped grooming, stopped showering, grew his hair out very long, became a filthy person. Yeah. And um, he went, like, didn't do this for 30 days, he said. So it took a while for the, <laughs> or not that long for the filth to build up because it's Ted Nugent.
1: Because it's Ted Nugent.
2: Um. <laughs> And two weeks before that, he stopped eating any food with nutritional value, he said. Um, Just chips, Pepsi, beer stuff. Uh, I never touched buttered poop.
1: Uh, I
2: don't know what that means. Um, Little jars of Polish sausages, and he'd drink the syrup. And he said that he was um, about to die. And then a week before, he stopped going to the bathroom and did it in his pants and his pants got crusted up with poop and pee.
1: So he could be just untouchable and looked as though he had a mental problem Ooh. and they're not going to take you for the draft.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what he claims, Mr. Respect for the Troops, which in this go ahead. In, right. I want to play this next clip.
2: Right. Well, well, we tried to find audio of it, but again, the interview is for some magazine in 1977 yeah. and um According to Snopes, they have it as unverified. However, Ted Nugent repeated these this story with another um, organization, another magazine. And he actually um, has denied it in the past when he's asked about it. He said that he um, had student deferments, which is true. Um, Snopes looked at his classification record and he had two high school deferments, or no, one high school deferment and then a college deferment. Um, however, he was reclassified as available for military service in 1969 and then subsequently rejected as a result of a physical examination.
1: Mm,
6: how so convenient.
2: Yeah. So he he denies that he did this and that he was just kind of trying to give high times this crazy story. Right. But according to his classification record, there is a physical
1: Yeah. So, so, so what do you, what do you, do you believe him then, or do you believe him now? Well. Because he said both things.
2: Yeah, well, I think we all know what the situation is.
1: Here's my problem with it. It's, it's not that he's a provocateur and that he's a rabble rouser. My problem is that he is on the, the board of the NRA, which wields untold political power in this country right now. Listen to what this board member of the NRA said about both Hillary Clinton, but also tune in to the, not even dog whistles, hatred and racism toward Barack Obama.
5: I think I'm speaking for everybody here. We would like to apologize to the heroes of the military for bending over since World War II and allowing a commander-in-chief who is the enemy of the US military. I'd like to apologize to the heroes of law enforcement for an attorney general who commits more felonies than the people he lets go on television committing felonies, Black Panthers, Philadelphia, ad nauseum. So while I'm busy apologizing, because I didn't let my guard down. I've been fighting this battle. I have no more capabilities than what I implement on a daily basis. But I have obviously failed to galvanize and prod, if not shame, enough Americans (laughs) to be ever vigilant not to let a Chicago communist-raised, communist-educated, communist-nurtured, subhuman mongrel, like the acorn community organizer gangster Barack Hussein Obama, to weasel his way into the top Office of Authority of the United States of America. I am heartbroken, but I am not giving up. I, I think America will be America again when Barack Obama, Eric Holder, Hillary Clinton, Dick Durbin, Michael Bloomberg, and all of the liberal Democrats are in jail yes. facing the just-do punishment that their treasonous acts are clearly um, apparent Uh, so those are a lot of people would call that inflammatory speech well I would call it inflammatory speech when it's your job to protect Americans and then you ask you to look into the television camera and say what difference does it make that I failed in my job to provide security and we have four dead Americans what difference does that make not to a chimpanzee or to uh, Hillary Clinton I guess it doesn't
1: matter Board member of the National Rifle Association calling Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States of America, not only a subhuman mongrel, but a chimpanzee. Board member of the National Rifle Association.
2: It's pretty horrifying.
1: Asshole of today and He's every other on, day. He's still on
2: Fox and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah.
1: We, invited to the Oval Office to see Donald Trump. Yeah. There's that photo mm-hmm. of him and fucking Kid Rock and Sarah Palin mm-hmm. mocking the, the, the portrait of former first lady of the United States, Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At invite of this president. That tells you where the priorities of the NRA are the premier family organization of the united states taking millions of dollars from gun manufacturers to lobby congress on behalf on their behalf it's not a sportsman organization anymore representing hunters it is not that their sole purpose is to bastardize and subvert the actual meaning and intent of the Second Amendment of the United States con- uh, Constitution. That is what they—that their sole purpose is. Let's end it there. Long show. Good show. We'd love to hear what you think. Again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email that voice memo from your smartphone. Keeping it at under three minutes. I doubt it at dalmore.com we would love to hear from you we'd also would love your support to help you join our patreon family helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode by uh, taking part in helping us produce the shows twice weekly and the bonus content that we do we love you guys we appreciate you we'll see you next time for Brittany page I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I doubt it
4: tippy top chick